In the worlds of investing and philanthropy, the focus these days is on impact. There is a generational divide on what this really means and how to approach it. And in this episode, Connie Sullivan visits with Chelsea Toller of Nova Impact to learn more about her efforts to engage the next gen in making a difference in the world today. Chelsea Toller is the president of her own family foundation, the Keep Families Giving Foundation, and the co-founder with Olivia Dell of Nova Impact, formed to engage other ultra-high net worth next-gen in impact investing and giving. She's also the project lead, global growth and fundraising for the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network for Youth, and the former head of development for Austin-based I Live Here, I Give Here. A multitasking next-genner herself, Chelsea is pursuing a doctorate in adult, professional, and community education. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me today. You and I have a long history in philanthropy. We've each charted different paths, but we actually met working for a nonprofit. So that's a fitting connection for our talk today. Before we get started, could you just take a few seconds and explain what we mean by next gen? Because we throw that term around a lot. Sure. So I think it really does depend on the community and how they choose to define next gen. But for myself, my family foundation and Nova Impact, we define next gens as those under the age of 42 that are dedicating their personal and professional lives to bettering the world and creating more impact. Perfect. 42. That's an interesting cutoff. I'll have to think about that later. Well, Chels, I'd love to just jump into Nova Impact. I know you started with your family foundation and then moved into the Nova Impact organization and founded that. I'd like to know a little bit about that journey and, and why you came to take that step. Sure. And I can address the, the 42 number actually is the typical age in which we see wealth transfer happen within the U.S. Um, so that's currently why we've chosen. It ranges between 42 and 45. But related to the foundation, we took on a, an interesting model of being cause agnostic, which, to be honest, at the time, people weren't really even using that term or understanding that what that meant. A lot of families picked one or two causes, which is really great to support. But I was more interested in creating a foundation that used its capital to educate other next gens in the space. So we built an advisory board of about 30 or so next gens, some of which were actively deploying capital or involved in their family foundations, and some of which had never made a grant before in their entire life. And we merged those communities to do a lot of amazing things. But what we learned was that wasn't enough. Next gens were really passionate about giving and philanthropy and nonprofits, but they also wanted to understand the investment side of their family offices, but often weren't housing or managing enough capital to be running deals themselves. So we really looked at uh, within Nova how to set up an ecosystem in which next gens could deploy and invest in capital as well. You know, it's interesting going back to that age 42 cutoff you mentioned earlier in defining next gen, according to a Coldwell Banker study, among many others, there's a 60 billion intergenerational wealth transfer currently underway and expected to continue over the next 20 to 30 years. That transfer likely falls squarely into your next gen demographic. 
Yes. And so one of the things that my co-founder and I, Olivia Dell, who actually was on my family foundation board as well, when we sort of looked at our journey and identifying, wow, you know, we've been really involved in giving and nonprofits, but we want to understand what's happening on the investment space and how do we actually move some of these investment dollars towards impact without sacrificing our returns and being mindful of risk. And as Connie graciously mentioned, all this capital is transferring, but we really didn't have a whole lot of knowledge or know-how or a community. And, and while, yes, we have great advisors, and, and I really recommend making sure you, you are talking to your advisors and, and getting to know them within your family, we wanted to understand from one another and from our peers what we were interested in, what this journey was like, how we could co-invest in deals or even learn under our parents. One thing, Olivia and I are really proud of is we proved out a model this year of doing our first intergenerational SPV into an impact fund. So it is a few next gen and their families and ourselves that are committed to, to seeing what happens with this model. What has been the general reaction of the older generation to all of this interest and activity in the, among the next gens? I think it's a really great opportunity not to say thank you to COVID for, for anything, but I, I do think it gave all of us a real understanding or sense of that you you have one life and, and you have one family and you can do great things together. So really reflecting on and understanding how do we create change in the world? How do we be mindful of our assets? Yes. But also how do we really thoughtfully understand that Giving capital to impact doesn't just have to be through traditional philanthropic grants. There are a lot of ways and structures that are even coming up now in terms of, you know, DAFs and SPVs and PRIs and different entities and structures and systems that we're seeing that really are starting to demonstrate to your point, Connie, on this transition into different ways to make sure that impact can be financially sustainable. Let's talk about first philanthropy and then impact investing because they're two very different things. And we think of, they're often both used in the impact space. Philanthropy is probably an easier one to, to tackle. I think that traditionally, a lot of large foundations concentrated on um, making their impact by putting their name on things, putting their names on buildings or on wings of buildings or being the lead sponsor of a big event. And what you helped me see several years ago when you started on this particular journey is that uh, the younger folks really want to be much more hands-on. They want to be involved with the nonprofit, understanding the really the nitty-gritty of it and having an opportunity to actually dig in. Are you, is, is that still a trend or is that, what, what do you see in terms of the latest shifts in that area? I can share for my family in particular, it was actually a requirement of my grandmother that our name didn't go on anything. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, it really is a testament to her kind of understanding just me in general and the selflessness that she had in understanding what I wanted to create in the world. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to attach your name to the good that you're wanting to do to leverage more capital. There's a lot of reasons to make that decision. And it really is a personal one. But I think with next gens, whether, you know, their, their family name is tied to something they're doing or not, 
to your point, Connie, we are absolutely seeing that they want to be very hands-on. They're not just throwing dollars at nonprofits or for-profit impact companies. They want to be on the board calls. They want to be trying the products. They want to be, you know, looking at the cap tables. <laughs> they, they really want to learn as much as they can in a way that I think is different than maybe generations prior. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges that I see is that, particularly with young entrepreneurs that we work with here in Austin, they may see a particular issue or area they want to focus and think with that same entrepreneurial spirit, I can do this better. So instead of getting involved with an existing organization, they start their own. And you know, in Austin, just as one community, we have so many nonprofits attacking the same issues. Is that a pretty general uh, situation? Do you see that people want to either start their own versus jump into something that's already established? So I think that's such a great point, especially in Texas. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's something like 5,000 nonprofits or, or something. And, and I think it's a good sign in that it seems to be that we want to be philanthropic, but it also is a sign that we maybe can be more mindful about how to not recreate the wheel and how to do better diligence on what already exists. So some of what we encourage our next gens to do is, okay, you have this idea. First of all, let's see, are there nonprofits or impact companies or funds that are attacking this? And how do we get you involved so you can learn? And then if it still makes sense, maybe there's a a niche within that area, or maybe you really are the, the expert to lead that, then it makes sense to start your own nonprofit or organization or company. I will say just in terms of trends, we do see this trending quite a bit in just that next gens, you know, they, they, they have a lot of respect for what their families have traditionally given to. And it's not that they don't, it's more that they're just trying to find their own path. And in some ways, in some ways, finding their own path means creating and innovating. So I think capitalizing on that energy, but having them do the diligence to make sure that they're not doing something that there's already five organizations already trying to tackle and they wouldn't be better positioned to help support them. Well, I think that's, that's exactly the way to focus people. And from my perspective, the established organizations need to be willing to open up spaces and room for younger participants. And instead of sticking to the seniority that they may be so wedded to. I think that's such an important point. And it's kind of been a theme of this week for me, actually. And and that's in things like this podcast with connecting with old (laughs) mentors as well. But thinking about who's willing to take a chance on you and how even as a next gen, who are you willing to take a chance on? Uh, And why I say it's a theme of this week is a friend of mine and myself, we went to a networking event and We heard from this new gaming company, but it was an older gentleman that was co-founding it paired with a, I think like 19 year old or something. And I I won't tell you which, which company it is, but you will hear about it. It's doing very well. Um, And they kind of talked about just this intergenerational model and how they really pulled from each other's expertise and areas and the, the young energy of the 19 year old that was so passionate about the game and the art mixed with the the mentor that had written several checks for several different companies, but wanted to get back into operating. It just was this really good reminder that 
intergenerational projects with the right people can make such a such an impact and we need to have respect both for those that are our elders but those that are the new generation as well yeah i i agree and it is a challenge it's a challenge for for all of us it's a challenge for next gens to be patient, but to find good ways to communicate and be proactive with their ideas. But it's a challenge to the older generations to be open-minded. Be, and again, communication is key. Okay, let's shift over to impact investing, because that is, as you said, something that can take on a lot of different forms and be really interesting in a lot of different ways. Why don't you talk about some of the impact investing opportunities that you've participated in? Not by name, but type and how you went about structuring them. I'm happy to. So I am always a big believer. It's just who I am in investing in women. And that's one of my favorite things. Not that you shouldn't invest in all sorts of different types of companies, but I'm particularly passionate about seeing uh, women entrepreneurs that you know, I think can can use not only capital, but just support in general and really are well positioned to take on some of the world's needs. So we've invested in, in a few different women entrepreneurs that are now doing additional rounds and, and doing well. But I would also say in terms of impact investing, one of the things that we've committed to do at NOVA is partner with the UN and the Sustainable Development Goals. So we actually developed a pretty unique, not only partnership, but even framework for how we're diligencing and evaluating our impact deals and making sure not only are they, you know, a good investment financially, but are they delivering on those SDG indicators? So that's a really good, I just recommend, even if you decide not to implement that framework, at least look at and familiarize yourself with what are those UN sustainable development goals? Do you align with any of those? Do you think that companies you're supporting align with any of those? That's a great place to start. I actually think that's great. And I think there's a lot of focus on those 17 goals, even at the Fortune 500 level, and some pretty crazy interpretation of how different companies think they satisfy some of those goals. Uh, some of some of the annual reports I've written make pretty outrageous claims about aligning with the SDGs. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I think it, it's not dissimilar from ESG either, right? It's like how do we really measure these things necessarily? And and also, I would say for unsolicited advice for entrepreneurs or nonprofits, don't just attach to things that aren't authentic, right? And and if you don't align with one of those, that's okay. But really, to to those that do, like champion your story and allow those SDGs to position you in in what you do best. And vehicle-wise, it sounds like the special purpose vehicle has been one that you have launched or or latched onto. Are there other structures that you've seen um, other groups using for impact investing? Yes. So this is an area I know absolutely nothing about, but it's I'm trying to learn my best. And that is things like Web3, NFTs, crypto. While I cannot say that I am an expert or even 
moderately proficient in any of them. I will say that I have the privilege of having next gens within our community that are. And I think just being open-minded about different structures and, and maybe you decide that's not the right fit for you, but at least understanding what's going on in the ecosystem is really important. One thing I will say that I've seen recently that I think is, is probably going to stick around for a while, and that is those that have made money off of crypto wanting to donate to nonprofits. So being mindful of how do we support nonprofits and even accepting different currencies that they, they really haven't traditionally done in the past. Right. And I, I kind of, it, it reminds me a little bit of even, you know, remainder trusts and, and unique things or where nonprofits were being back in the day, you know, people were leaving their houses or certain assets and things like that. I think this is kind of maybe the next wave of that. The other thing I will say that we've seen more of is crowdfunding and, and really directs and, or, because of the SEC restrictions, next gens that don't have hundreds of millions of dollars, but more so have, you know, 10K or 50K that they're trying to throw into things. Sometimes they'll they'll look at crowdfunding platforms to make their decisions there. Um, yeah. I guess we, yeah. An, another uh, way I've seen is micro lending and organizations that are involved in micro lending. Yeah. And, and we actually really like for next gens debt deals predominantly because of, of the risk association being a, a, bit, a bit less in a, in a debt deal. That's something that, that we're probably will experiment with next. And then the only other thing I would say is for us, a lot of it is de-risking just to make sure that their impact investment, where our framing is a bit different than a traditional investor in that we're not trying to make the maximum amount of wealth. It's more, how do we give the next gens a positive experience so one of the things, as an example, we evaluated when we were looking at funds and SPVs is SPV into a fund as opposed to one company, so that it's a bit of a less of a risk. And then also, what were funds and impact that maybe weren't performing, you know, the one company was a unicorn, but they were as a portfolio, not losing companies or founders and were a bit more hands-on. Yeah, that makes sense too. When bringing an opportunity like this to a large family foundation, what are the challenges that are typically faced in presenting these sorts of impact investing ideas? So many. So one of the things that we've gone back and forth on completely is whether or not we educate or tell our next gens to even call them impact investments, <laughs> um, and just to maybe stick with this as an investment opportunity. And oh, by the way, this is what it does for the world. You know, again, these are all personal decisions. But I think for Olivia and myself, we've really taken the understanding that listening is really important. So whether it's just being in a room and, and networking and not just talking about what you do, but really listening to who's around you and what they're looking for, it's less so that we find ourselves needing to pitch to certain family foundations and opportunities and more so that we often listen and hear, hey, this next gen is really passionate about this particular area or thing. And then we're in different rooms where that exact company or nonprofit exists. And we really just see, you know, does that make sense? But I think how you show up and how you listen is something that maybe isn't always at the forefront and it should be of, of how we show up in whether that's networking investment, networking events or other investment opportunities, just making sure you're thinking about how you can give and serve others rather than how you can just talk about what you're doing. 
Well, let's turn it around a little bit. I know that as you've continued to get out there, you and, and Olivia, um, I assume that more and more entrepreneurs are bringing their ideas to you to see if you will invest. So what framework do you use or how do you approach all of these unsolicited requests for investment dollars? Yeah, so we've we've kind of played with a few different models, but one that we like so far is really highlighting them and figuring out ways to elevate people and their stories and what they're passionate about. In a variety, we say there's various forms of capital. So maybe they're not investable or the right fit for us. And, and we'll share it around our community and anything. We're very big believers in transparency and open deal flow. So anything that Olivia or myself sees, we actually share it with each other, but we don't just share it with each other. We share it with the entire community. And there's absolutely no pressure for anyone to invest or not, but they can at least see these are the types of things we call it. Uh, I think Olivia is our branding person, but I think she calls it across the table or something, um, something much more witty than I could come up with. But, you know, so my point is, one, we, we share, you know, the various investments um, that we're pursuing, but we also do features. So we do community spotlight, spotlights where we'll tell the story of an entrepreneur or a nonprofit leader doing incredible things. And a lot of times the social network or social capital from that is just as important as the investment capital. Got it. I'm going to change, change gears a little bit. In addition to all of this impact work that you're doing, you're also pursuing a PhD in a related field. And one of the focuses of your research is on education. So in this particular space. So could you share a little bit about what you're doing there and how you, you are in integrating it into the work of NOVA? Yeah, so my research has been really wonderful in, in dealing with how do we do these, we call them educational cohorts, but we'll bring in next gens. And I really apply a lot of the adult learning theories like transformational learning theory um, and some of the other ones that I've really identified with in my PhD research to really make sure that we're being thoughtful about how we best educate. And a lot of that as well is learning. So one of the things that I've taken away that I think is really important is not to do what's called banking. Banking is just lecturing. So just sharing presentation and sharing materials. And it's a one-way communication. But what we've seen over, over the years in research is that next gens, I, you know, I can include myself in this. So don't feel bad about it. We have a bit less of an attention span. I think Gen Z's is about seven seconds. So if you just tell us information for an hour straight and there's no interaction or breaks or fun things to think about, you're probably going to lose us. So when Olivia and I looked at how do we integrate some of what I've learned within education, we really came up with cohort models in which we're, we're giving them access to our mentors and to presentation materials, yes, but we're asking them questions. They're working on active projects. There's always activities involved. Some good examples of that, especially on grant making or impact investing, is we actually have them um, do grants and go through pitch competitions and participate in evaluating both impact companies and nonprofits instead of just trying to lecture them on what grant making or investing in impact is like. I think that's fantastic. I, I would love to be in an education cohort if I were that age or newer to the whole field. And I, I just think it's 
I think it's a a wonderful uh, gift to a whole generation of people that are interested in, in getting involved in impact, making a difference in the world. I think it's terrific. And I think that's what's been the most rewarding and fun part of this for Olivia and I is we got to create something that we wanted. We created something that's for us and and not that, again, it's really important to have trusted advisors and attorneys and investment firms and incredible, you know, family offices. Um, But it's also important to understand there was a piece of us that just wanted to learn together and do good in the world. And so I think we've, no, I, I know we've done the work that's needed to, to create something different. I think that's a perfect place to end it. Chelsea, I have so enjoyed watching the development of Nova Impact and all the work you're doing. I'm so proud of you and I'm excited about the future for it. So thank you for sharing a bit of it with me today. Thanks so much, Connie. And, and I would just, you know, not to give more advice than than is needed, but for next gens that are out there, the advice Olivia and I always give is don't carry imposter syndrome, start somewhere. So don't feel like you're not valuable, your voice doesn't matter, you're not managing capital where you are. You can always find ways to make a difference and there's gonna be communities and mentors like Connie that will take a chance on you. To find out more about Nova Impact, go to www.nova-impact.com. And as always, for Sina Sarah Capital, sinasarahcapital.com. Thank you for listening to the Uncorrelated Minds podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. For more information on the topics covered in this podcast, please visit the show notes page for links to further information at www.sinasarahcapital.com. Sinacera Capital is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Sinacera and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and it should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or offer to sell a security. It does not take into account any investor's particular investment objectives, strategies, tax status, or investment horizon. You should consult your attorney or tax advisor. All information has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. There is no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy, reliability, or completeness of, or liability for, decisions based on such information, and it should not be relied on as such. The views expressed in this commentary are subject to change based on market and other conditions. These documents may contain certain statements that may be deemed forward-looking statements. Please note that any such statements are not guarantees of any future performance, and actual results or developments may differ materially from those projected. Any projections, market outlooks, or estimates are based upon certain assumptions and should not be construed as indicative of actual events that will occur.